Guys, you know how I uh, don't watch a lot of movies that we don't watch for the show? Yeah. And um, you know how I'm like really cutting edge and always trying to like watch like the newest thing and like just binge watch things and watch things that people will be like into that'll be like really being discussed like right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, like how I just watched Too Hot to Handle this week? <laughs> <laughs> just like that. So I was... Um, I was inspired by uh, a little while ago when we watched the taking of Pelham one, two, three, our one old quote unquote movie. And I said, old, nah, nah, nah. I'm going to watch an old movie. Ladies and gentlemen, I watched 1943's Shadow of a Doubt. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I did. My my dad always mentions it whenever I mention Alfred Hitchcock. And I was like, you know, I've never seen Shadow of a Doubt, which is a Hitchcock movie. It's actually... Uh, Alfred Hitchcock's favorite movie of all the movies he directed. He said that in multiple interviews. And so I figured, well, what the fuck? I'll watch Shadow of a Doubt. It was on Amazon Prime, and I went to it. So Shadow of a Doubt is basically a movie about... um, It's it's about a young girl. I, I guess they never say quite how old she is, but I would guess she's like 20, maybe? Something like that. Um... She acts like kind of younger than 20 in the way that like those that age like women did in movies back in the 40s where it's like, is this girl 20 or is she like 14? Like I kind of like she kind of acts like that sometimes, but she's definitely like a young adult and um, she lives with her family and her uncle comes to stay with her. Who's like her favorite uncle. Um, She's like really super excited. He comes to stay with her and gradually she comes to think that maybe her uncle might actually be a serial murderer. That hmm. is that is the plot of the movie. As you do. Yes, as as you do. So um, let's not name names, but any of you guys got an uncle like that? Uncle who might be a serial murderer. No, I got an uncle who's kind of a jerk, but not a yeah. serial murderer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like him, actually. I say he's kind of a jerk, but he, he's a jerk in kind of a way that you're like, oh, uh, you bastard. Like, kind of smiling, <laughs> like, like that kind of way. I'm not your uncle, Nish. <laughs> but he is a serial murderer. <laughs> yes, right. exactly. We were only talking about uncles. So, so it's, I'm assuming it's Hitchcock. It's like a 90 minute movie. Yeah, it's, it's like, it might be all the, all the way up to 100 minutes. If, if I remember correctly, it's an hour and 40 minutes, I think. And, and the, good, the good first half of it is tension. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, there there are a couple like really good tense scenes. There are also some things in it that I like. Like that's one thing about some of these like movies. Not every movie. I mean, some movies I've seen in the forties are like fucking great, and this one was good. But like, there are definitely parts of it when I was watching that it's like I would like it, it's easier to see how you would edit it down or or change things around a little bit. Um, like there, there are a couple things that are done in this movie that it's like that felt like it deflated the tension a little bit or it felt like it could have gone on longer rather than resolving the way it did. Um, so I'll get to that in a second. But like the things I liked about this movie, um, it, well, it's I didn't necessarily like or dislike this, but it's in black and white just to just to put that out there. Um, the main character, well, one of the two main characters, the uncle is played by uh, Joseph Cotton. Hmm. who um, is uh, he's he's one of the main people in Citizen Kane. Uh, He's also in the third man. Those are kind of the two things I feel like I know him from the most uh, besides this. And he's great. He is really, really good. He plays the role, you know, with just enough kind of questioning kind of what's going on. And then he has a couple of like 
kind of monologues, I guess. Like there, there is a scene where he's at the dinner table with like the family and somebody says something. So, so the thing that he is, that she su- suspects him of being is there is this man- nationwide manhunt on for this guy called the, is I think it's called the Merry Widow Killer or something like that. So it's this person who's basically killed three different wealthy widows on the East Coast. This, this movie takes place in California. He's and and he has come from the East Coast to kind of be with the family, uh, the uncle. And um, you know, the idea I think is that he kind of insinuates or the the murderer insinuates himself into the you know widow's life and then kind of kills them and steals their money. That 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 sort of thing. Um, so they're after uh, this this uh, this merry widow killer. And at dinner, I think I forget if the topic comes up or if they say something about like rich women or maybe there's like a rich widow who like the family's friends with and he just kind of goes off in this really kind of not like 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 psycho in the way that like is kind of like more what you'd expect nowadays like that very like level-headed kind of like you can feel like simmering anger under everything he's saying but he stays like very calm as he talks kind of thing which is you don't see that all that much in like i don't know like older movies i mean one you just don't see people who are like about to like lose their shit in older movies quite as much. Um, but that, that, I mean, that's a really good scene and the scenes that he and the niece have together. Um, the niece is played by Teresa Wright, who's another actress I know from a bunch of things like the best years of our lives. A lot of, a lot of stuff that my dad liked when, when I was a kid and I would watch. Um, so he's really good in, in the movie. The other thing that's really good in this movie is um, there is this whole like side not not side plot, but kind of like you'd almost call it comic relief. So the dad of the uh, of, of the girl um, and he's got this like best friend who he like they just kind of like hang out at night. Like the best friend will like come over at night and the best friend's this kind of like weird nerdy looking guy. He's actually played by Hume Cronin and I think one of his first movie roles. And I didn't know that until I looked after the movie was gone. Um, and the two of them just sit and discuss for fun how they would kill each other and like get away with it. <laughs> it's really funny. Like, like they, they're just like sitting and, and they'll just like bring it up almost as a non sequitur. Like they'll just, they'll just, you'll, you'll like, there'll be like the main scene going on and then it'll kind of like the characters will like go past like these two guys sitting down and like, it'll just like linger on them. And then one of them will be like, like, like one of them will be like, I could poison you. Like, it's like, it's like he's like, you'd never know a thing. And he's like, and, and like the guy, like the Hume Cronin character, like the friend, he's like so quiet and like very like meek. But then he's just always talking about these things. Like, like he like comes one day, like when they're talking, he's just like, do you like mushrooms? And he's like, and he's like, and he's like, yeah, I like mushrooms. Okay. And he's like, that's how I could do it. Get you some, <laughs> some poison mushrooms, get you some regular mushrooms. You just mix them in a salad. You'd never know. And he's like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's really kind of hilarious though. I mean, I really liked uh, those two kind of together. Um, so, you know, overall I thought it was really good. The stuff that I thought was a little weird. The movie opens with a scene of the uncle, like back out East. I think he's near Philadelphia or something like that. And he's like, kind of like being shadowed by these, policeman and i felt like it was a weird way to begin the movie yeah, like i think it would have been better to actually even, even though i understand why they started it that way because i think it was a way to kind of start with a little bit of a hook and tension before going to the family because the family scenes in the very beginning 
by necessity are kind of building up this very sort of boring, normal family, blah, blah, blah. And then they find out that Uncle Charlie is coming and everyone gets all excited that he's coming. But I feel like it still would have been better if they had started there and that the first time you really see the uncle is when he comes in with the family in the first place. I think that would have been better. There's also like there was weird editing in in a couple places. Um, So like one of the things that happens is like these these like census takers or, or I guess they're like these two guys like doing like a survey and they like pick the family to do a survey for where it's like, oh, like, you know, like like the normal American family. And we just want to take some pictures and talk. And the the one guy, one of the two guys is like pretty young and he kind of takes a fancy to the girl and she kind of likes him, too. And he asks her out and then they go on a date. And during the date, she kind of figures out that he's not really a survey taker. He's a detective. The both of those guys are detectives and they are kind of honing in on the uncle, uh, basically. And, and this is before she even suspects the uncle of anything. But she got it. This is part of what makes her suspect the uncle to some extent. Uh, he kind of tells her eventually, like, what's going on. But the scene where she finds out that he is a uh, detective, it feels weirdly cut. Like it has this shot of like them it's from outside a diner and they're in the diner and you can see them like laughing and like having a good time sort of. And then all of a sudden they're in a park right outside and it's her saying like, I know who you really are. Like you're not of like, and it's like, wait, 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 wait. Like, did we miss like half a scene here? Like what, what just happened? Like, it feels Hmm. like either I got some weird cut of it somehow, or like there was some studio interference where they're like, we need it to be shorter than this amount of time or something like that. some of these movies are releasing now. If there's anything that's like would be highly offensive to today's audience, they cut it out. I can't oh, imagine I, there would have been though in, the, in in this part of the scene, like unless was, the two of them are casually discussing like how racist they are or something like that. They, there could be a, somebody in the waitstaff, something that was like really racist. Maybe I'd, I'd be interested. Maybe I should kind of look that up and see if that's a possibility because it was really weird. Like it, it felt like they could have very easily had a scene of them like. You know, of of them like getting like not even they didn't even have to get up to leave from the diner, but the scene could have started with them walking through the park and have like it would only taken like probably a minute of dialogue for for him to say something that made her become suspicious. And then she would like come out and be like, yeah, you know, I know like like I figured it out that you're not actually a survey person or whatever. I was going to go the other way that it was studio interference at the time and like. Hitchcock just slipped in like a hardcore sex scene or something in between there. <laughs> and then it was like, well, we're taking this out. <laughs> it's like, hardcore sex scene. So I, I have a question about this movie. Is obviously Hitchcock movies are all about tension. Is the tension in this movie is the guy the killer or not? Or is the tension in this movie will the girl like figure it out and like will he get caught? Like, do we have because it sounds like I thought we were going to be along for the girls' ride, but then it sounds like we have more information than than she does um, about the situation. Right. Um, I can say part of it, and I can't really say more without spoiling it. So I don't know if we want to spoil it or not. The way you're describing it, it sounds obvious that he is the killer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, he is. In in, in the end. Um, it's weird. So, so like you don't know for sure that he's the killer from the beginning, because even in that scene, all you know is that people are chasing him and that he's kind of weird. But, you know, it, it, it could be that he's not actually the killer. It could be it could be that he's done something else wrong and they think he's the killer. You know, I mean, there's like it, when I was watching it, it was like, OK, like it feels a little too obvious <laughs> that he would be the killer right now. So I'm going to like withhold judgment for a second for a little bit. But enough happens early on that 
I guess the tension in the beginning is either for the first, I'd say 45 minutes or so it is, is he the killer or are these just weird coincidences that are going to be explained as like coincidences? Like one of the things is like he gives her a ring um, and uh, as a present and she notices that the ring has someone else's initials on it. And he kind of mm. laughs it away as it's like, oh, like it was used. Like, I guess I got like I got bamboozled at the jewelry store or whatever. Like they told me this is new, like that kind of thing. And she doesn't actually think anything of it. But then after she talks to the detective and like reads about like the Mary Widow murder, she like goes to the library and looks like more about it and like finds out who the people who were killed were. And one of them, the initials matches like what what was on the ring. And so then she like really is like, oh, like, like, I think that's the thing that really like completely like does it like that coupled with like how he's kind of weird about a couple things. It sounds like there's a lot of movie before she starts suspecting him. Like she gets the ring. She goes out with the detective. She has hardcore sex with him. Then figures <laughs> right. out who he is. <laughs> right. Right. Says uh, something racist. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a racist sex scene. Um <laughs> I could, I could keep going, but I shouldn't. Um, it's yeah, I, I, I would say it's a good like half hour, 40 minutes, probably before she suspects him. And then I would say after that, a lot of the tension is. Like he he more or less admits to it. The, the, the whole deal is that there's another guy they're chasing on the East Coast, and it could be one of the two guys. The detective doesn't actually know. He says, like, it could be your uncle. It could be this other guy. Like, like we've been tasked to kind of follow your uncle. Like there's a whole another group of people who are like following the other guy and then they catch the other guy and they kill him in a shootout or something. So they can't ever prove anything, but they assume the other guy was the bad guy mm-hmm. was the killer. So like now the uncle's kind of scot-free, but the uncle is kind of not directly, but more or less admitted to the niece that he was the one. Like he kind of says something like, you know, like what, like, like I'm just going to settle down. Like, like what what good can come of people knowing like he's like, you know, it, it would like think that it would like kill your mother, who's his sister. You know, he's like, he's like, why even, you know, why, why, why would you even entertain these thoughts? But he says it in a way that makes it pretty clear. Like not that, not that I would ever kill her. I mean, she's not rich or anything. Anyway, right. moving on. Right, 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 right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's so so I'd say the second half of the movie, it shifts more to the tension between them where he's kind of now sort of sort of free to live his life except that she knows and is still like kind of like i'm not like she doesn't say it this way but she more or less does say like i'm not gonna let this go like like you need to like he wants to stay in town and like kind of make a life for himself and like because like everyone loves him being there and she's like you need to leave town like (laughs) like 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 she he used to be her like favorite person and now and like by the middle of the movie slash the last third of the movie she's like i She's like, you need to leave. Like, I, I don't want to see you again. And like, if you stay, like, I'm going to tell, like, I'm going to tell somebody. I'm going to tell the police. And then, Jesus. as you can, ex- seems like she still left them off pretty easy for killing people. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's her family, so she doesn't quite know what to do. Um, and then he basically tries to kill her, although not, not. He tries to have her killed in certain ways. Um, in, in multiple times, meaning, meaning he like, he like cuts, like he like, there, there are these back steps that go out of their house and he like cuts one of the steps so that it's like, if you step on it, you'll just go straight through. And he tries to kill her that way. And she does. I mean, she like 
really hurts her foot, her leg, but she's okay. And then he like, they're going out somewhere and like she goes to start the car or something. And then he like locks the garage. So she's like stuck in there with all the fumes and like the, I think the car may have already started and he's like fixed it so that like, you can't turn it off. Like it's like the keys broken in the ignition or something like that. And then that, that the, the friend who always wants to talk about killing people happens to come by and hears her banging on the garage and saves her. Couldn't you just drive the car through the garage door? Yeah, it's a pretty flimsy car and a pretty heavy garage. I mean, you could, I'm sure. But I mean, cars back then weren't flimsy at all. They were like tanks. No, nah, this one, this one looked well. Th- this one looked old. Like this, this looked like a fucking like Model T or something. <laughs> Horseless carriage. <laughs> it kind of did. It kind of did look like that. She had to go crank yeah. the front it was, to turn it, it, it over. It, yeah, it was not an extremely modern looking car. I would say from from. So, from what'd your what dad like about this movie? I think he just liked sort of the slow, like it's not that gimmicky. And I feel like with other Hitchcock movies, like whenever I talk to my dad about Hitchcock, he's always like, he always rolls his eyes a little bit, which is funny because he still watches the movies. Like he likes to roll his eyes sometimes about things that he actually kind of likes. So it's my 12 year old. Yeah, there you go. Um, But, uh, but I think he finds some of the other Hitchcock stuff, like a little gimmicky. And this one's not as gimmicky. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I would say there's no, you know, there are no killer, unexplainable killer birds or anything like that, for instance. Um, or, you know, to Kim Novak's and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So so I think he likes that. And and I think admittedly, like like I said, like Joseph Cotton is really good in it. Like like it's it, he makes the movie, I think, very, very, very much worth watching um, as as kind of the main mm-hmm. guy like. You know, like I said, for the first part, you don't quite like, you know, something's off about him, but you don't quite know what the deal is. And then even after you know what the deal is, I think he's still very um, he's like he's charming. And then at the same time, like, you know, like, you know, he, he fits very well into sort of that, like Ted Bundy kind of feel of like, you know, someone who is very charming and at the same time kind of a sociopath. And you can kind of see like both sides of that. Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah. I, I liked it. I I was hoping to like it more after my dad had talked it up so much. And it was like, I liked it. It was good. Like, I'm glad I watched it. I would recommend it. But it's also not my favorite Hitchcock movie, even if it so, was his. <laughs> so I was going to ask, then, what is your guys's, what are your guys' favorite Hitchcock movies? My favorite Hitchcock movie is not one of his thrillers, so to speak. It's, it's North by Northwest is my favorite, mm-hmm. which is, you know, much more of a action movie really in, in a lot of ways yeah what about you willie i'm trying to remember the name uh, rear window yeah it's a good one what about yeah, you I, I think my favorite is rope yeah we watched rope for the show i think really? i watched rope anyway i don't yeah i i may, maybe it was just me but yeah we i i definitely watched it for the show i like rope yeah i like that one too yeah I mean, rope has rope has the gimmick part of of how it's shot, but it's also pretty good. Besides okay. that, the, I mean, I don't I don't mind a gimmick if it works. Yeah, to be honest. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, me. Yeah, me. Me neither. No, I like and and you know, I was looking when I uh, when I was looking at Shadow of a Doubt, and it was like, oh, nineteen forty three, and then I like looked at his like run of movies during this time, and they're pretty ridiculous. Like the the movies he made, like basically from like the 40s to the 50s, like into like 
early 1960 are mm. like kind of crazy. Like it was like he like 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 he did uh you know Shadow of a Doubt. He did Notorious, which is another big one. He did Rope in 1948, and then he did like Strangers on a Train, Dial M for Murder, Rear Window to Catch a Thief, The Trouble with Harry, The Man Who Knew Too Much, Vertigo, Jesus. North by Northwest, Psycho, The Birds. Like it was wow. like yeah, it was a pretty good run. He also he had, had Alfred Hitchcock presents the TV show from 55 to 61. In the yeah, that's right. That, in, yeah, in the right? middle of all that he was doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You guys it's ever watch prolific. Alfred Hitchcock presents? Totally. Yeah. They, they used to have it right on like Naked Night. I, th- I think they used uh, to have my it grandfather like, late at it. night. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've definitely seen it. I've seen it and I remember it vaguely, but like I think I always felt like it's like, well, if if for whatever reason, if I thought it's like, well, I, I can only I only have room for one of these for some reason, and it's going to be the Twilight Zone. Not that those are like absolutely similar to each other, but I viewed them as similar to each other because they were both like half hour black and white anthology shows, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, I prefer Twilight Zone, which, you know, there's no reason I couldn't have watched both. But for some reason, when I was young, that's how I felt. So I think I only watched a couple episodes ever. I did not. Uh, I'm sure he was in there somewhere, but I did not see Alfred Hitchcock during the movie. Oh, he was surely in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, he makes. Yeah, I think every movie he makes a cameo, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll have to. Uh, He's a real M Night Shyamalan that way. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you remember that uh, that movie of Alfred Hitchcock's where he was where he played the movie director who would save all of mankind or whatever? What is he? What is he in Lady in the Water? He's like he's like the. Oh, I didn't He's see like, Lady in the Water. I haven't seen it either, but I read that it's like he he plays a character, I think, in Lady in the Water. So Lady in the Water takes place at like a condo complex, right? I think or something like that. And like it's the pool is where the Lady in the Water is. Mm-hmm. And I think like M. Night Shyamalan is like he's like a writer and like the the lady like says something about how like his stories will like bring like love to all mankind. It was like some ridiculous. It's like, come on, dude. Some real like, self-indulgent crap. Ex- exactly. Every yeah. one of his just became more and more self-indulgent. That was, that's the sad part. I was going to say, uh, the, the birds and the happening make about as much sense as each other. So, Yes, that is true. I think The Birds is overrated. I don't, I don't really like that movie very much. I like scenes from it. The scene at the playground is really good. But yeah, otherwise it's not me. I feel like I've seen it a whole bunch, so I know it really well. But like, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. It's not my favorite. For the longest time, I thought when I was a kid, I thought Rod Taylor was Robin Williams as a young man. <laughs> I can see they, that. Uh, they yeah, look a lot alike, absolutely. and they both have like super hairy arms and super yep. similar facial yep, features. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. They got kind of like cheeks that kind of come out, and they got like kind of pointy chin, sort of. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. Rod Taylor, I knew Rod Taylor from the Time Machine. You guys watch the old oh, time machine, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah totally. Love the time yeah. machine. That was a movie I watched a whole bunch when I was a kid. I watched. I must have seen that movie a hundred times when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. No, I what watched a it? bunch. I the the thing that I, I always remembered from that. Now, like just skipping from person to person, is that his friend, like the guy who like is back in the eighteen hundreds with him, and then yeah. is at the very end, is the guy who plays Wilbur and Mister Ed. Oh really? <laughs> but he's like, but he has a mustache in that because he's like in the 1800s, so he's like old timey. Yeah, he doesn't have a horse, right? Exactly. Of course, we, we have. Of course, yes. 